The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. You're listening to The Hard Shoulder. Kieran Cuddy with you until seven o'clock. Now, the chief of Hamas said earlier today that a truce agreement with Israel is getting nearer, but how near? Kim Semgupta is the world affairs editor with The Independent in the UK and he's been covering this uh, since the outbreak of hostilities uh, uh, back in October, on October 7th. Kim, you're very welcome to the show and it is good to good talk evening. to you. Good um, afternoon, brother. How, how close are we to an agreement and what are the remaining sticking points? Well, I think we are as close to an agreement as we have been um, throughout this negotiation process. There were talk about something happening about four weeks ago um, when I remember being told about this in Tel Aviv by uh, an Israeli official. And then the terms were basically similar to what's being proposed now, which is um, a limited number, around 50 to 60 women and children hostages, plus some who are ill being freed in return for um, Palestinian women and children being held in Israeli prisons. Now, on that occasion, the uh, deal fell through. The Israeli Prime Minister, Benjamin Netanyahu, insisted that all hostages must be freed and also uh, that there would not be a ceasefire accompanying the the prisoner exchange. Well, well, things have changed a bit since then. The Israeli cabinet is, is now divided, but there are many, including senior people like Benny Gantz, who, who want a deal done. And it seems it's very close to being agreed. There will be a meeting of the Israeli war cabinet this evening. And unless there is a veto by some of the hardliners who, who don't want this deal to mm. go through, you know, it's likely that something may be in place very soon. What assurances will the Israelis have looked for from Hamas in order to agree this deal? I know there have been sticking points around um, access to airspace over Gaza so they could monitor what was happening. There was issues around fuel being imported into the Gaza Strip and what that fuel might be used for. What what were their concerns and considerations? Well, there there were there been a whole series of of, of um, disputed issues, which the Qataris were the main the main interlocutors. They have now been been resolved. Uh, one has been uh, aid and fuel uh, going into Gaza. Um, the Israelis had agreed, in fact, a few days ago for fuel to go in to help the um, UN and other agencies. Uh, then, as we saw, uh, there have been evacuation of most of the patients from uh, Shifa Hospital, the main hospital uh, in Gaza City. Um, and uh, there have been uh, more corridors um, established for people to leave uh, North Gaza for South Gaza. Now, we don't know what happened to the other uh, demands um, made by both sides. One was, as you point out, by Hamas for the Israelis to stop surveillance flights on northern Gaza. We don't know if that has been resolved. And the other issue, uh, which I was told was a sticking point, was the, the length of the ceasefire for the exchange to take place. Hamas and the Qataris were proposing five days. Uh, the Israelis, um, and this was last weekend when I was there, uh, had agreed to three days. Now, one presumes that had been um, resolved you know, if the deal does go through. 
And I assume the concern the Israelis have is that the longer the ceasefire goes on, the more likely that Hamas use it to redistribute their arms depots, their command and control centers, and to regroup in other areas. Well, they'll, they'll certainly try. You know, they'll be foolish not to. Uh, certainly, they'll try to regroup. Um, now, whether they can they can replenish or not, we don't know. We don't know. Um, uh, for example, the extent of the tunneling, how far it goes. Can they still bring weaponry in through Egypt, for example, uh, into um, Gaza? Now, uh, the Israelis um, were obviously wrong in, in saying that Hamas, uh, the entire Hamas command and control um, was in Gaza City. They claimed all the leadership was there. Well, that hasn't happened. And uh, now Israeli military officials are telling us that, you know, they have in fact rebased themselves in Carnunis in the south. So so they haven't um, uh, captured and destroyed the command and control, mm. which seems to be moving. And of course, if they're in Carnunis, that's in the south of Gaza, where the vast majority of the people who had fled north had, had ended up. How much pressure, or is there much pressure mounting on kind of top brass within the IDF, military chiefs, or indeed Benjamin Netanyahu, because of these perceived failures, you know, we had obviously intelligence failures in the lead up to October 7th. And then, you know, we we are, however many weeks it is uh, now, kind of five, six weeks into this um, affair. And as you say, the kind of Hamas command and control is still proving to be elusive. And despite truth being on the ground now for some time within the Gaza Strip, they haven't found hostages. They haven't found us. Well, they found one, I think, very early on. I was saying, on. one uh, Israeli soldier alive, but with it, with another right. Israeli soldier who was dead. Yes, yes. So, you know, they, they haven't found them. Um, and, uh, you know, they, they they claim to know where they are. But if they have that knowledge, they haven't they haven't used it yet. Um, and, of course, you know, they can be, you know, they can be moved as well. Now, don't forget, you know, the Hamas are meant to be holding around 240 and at the moment, I think we're talking about around 50, and 50 to 60 uh, who may be released. So that still leaves a whole whole lot more. And many of the 50 to 60 would, in fact, be dual nationals as well, not not Israelis. Mm. So this is just the first part of a, you know, a, 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 a rather um, a grim down drama which is being played out. G- given, you know, we have been through this before, which isn't to be dismissive of uh, how great the situation is and and never on this scale or ser- certainly not recently in this scale. I mean, the mechanics of the prisoner swap, if we'll call it that, although I know some people will criticise me for describing the hostages that way, but you know what I mean. And um, the mechanics of it, I- I- is that complicated or is that something that because they've done it before, they know how to do it? Well, they, well, they, they, they did carry out uh, in a, a, a very major swap uh, back in 2011 when they freed 1,000 Palestinian prisoners. But that was uh, in exchange for one soldier, Gilad Shalit. So obviously, you know, the, the one they extracted was just the one. And then here you're talking about, you know, 50 to 60 women, uh, children, babies, some who are ill. So, you know, it's a, it's a, it's, it, it's a, a very difficult process, um, which is the reason, of course, you know, there, there has to be a ceasefire for, for this to take place. And the way they'll come out, um, uh, it seems, will they'll 
they'll they'll come out through Rafa on the Egyptian border, and and then they'll be they'll be moved to Israel. So you know it's not as if they'll be freed tomorrow and they'll turn up in Tel Aviv, you know, the morning after. So it's it, it is a long drawn out process, and the, there's always, of course, you know, the possibility of something going wrong mm. in that time. Kim, listen, thanks a million for talking us through uh, all of that uh, when so many pieces are still moving on the chessboard. Ken Gupta is the World Affairs Editor for The Independent uh, in the UK. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from four on News Talk.